...is that oiled diplomatic wheels and soothed sensitive egos. There had been times in the past, however, when his natural northern tendency for blunt speaking had earned him enemies, which concerned him more than the Duke's notorious tactlessness. One such occasion had been three years ago, when a chance remark had tripped thoughtlessly off Leo's tongue in relation to Mistress Phoebe Laker, which she, understandably, had taken exception to as soon as she'd heard it from green-eyed gossips. There had been little love lost between them even before this incident, and less so afterwards, but the repercussions had been tragic, to say the least, since when Phoebe had only visited Elizabeth at Ham House when she knew the Duke and his faithful secretary would not be in residence. To Phoebe's mind, Scotland was not too far away for them. As you wish. There is some paperwork for him to do in my library. The Duke took her hand again, leading her down to the great hall, where a large billiard table occupied the centre of the black and white marble floor. A fire burned in the iron fireplace on the largest wall, even though it was June, and on the mantel shelf stood two large plaster figures in Greco-Roman helmets. Their scanty drapes defying gravity. Mars and Minerva. Elizabeth had explained to her husband's initial and not altogether polite astonishment, based on her own mother and father, the first Earl and Countess of Dysart. As the eldest daughter, Elizabeth was now a Countess in her own right, since the Scottish title was allowed to pass into the female line, but the higher-ranking title of Duchess was the one by which she had been known these last four years. Good, she said. Then keep him there till I give the word. Phoebe has not seen all the latest additions yet. No more have I, said the Duke. Whose idea was the billiard table? Elizabeth could see the expenses adding up inside his head and was quick to forestall the inevitable questions. It was mine, John. It's for you. Oh, dear. You're not going to chide me for overspending, are you? It has to look right, dear, after all the rebuilding. It's no use hoping the royals will stay, is it, if we don't offer them the very best? Och, lassie, I've never chided you on that, have I? The place badly needed more rooms, and a wee lick of paint, I know, and you'll had to replace the plate that was melted down for the last king's war. Is that why you've invited your friends over, so they can take a peek at all your newest geegaws? Patting her bunched red-gold ringlets, Elizabeth frowned at a footman who appeared at the outer door. No, not entirely. I asked Phoebe again because her mamma and I were good friends, and because I promised her I'd keep an eye on Phoebe if anything should happen. Well, it did, didn't it? So I've kept my promise. What is it, man? She snapped at the hovering footman, who had opened and closed the door several times while she was talking. You can see... What? Oh, my lord! Through the wobbly green glass squares of the hall windows, the dark shape of a coach and two horses had appeared as if from nowhere, though the drive leading from the road was clearly visible all the way down to the river. Guessing that his orders were about to change, the footman threw open the heavy doors just in time for Her Grace's voluminous green brocade skirts to squeeze through the gap and for her to sweep down the first shallow flight of steps 
before halting uncertainly. Hesitation was not one of Elizabeth's besetting sins, yet the events she was sure she'd timed to perfection had not taken account of Mistress Laker's enthusiasm. And now, instead of the two antagonists being kept apart until the precise moment their hostess decreed, they were there, facing each other like two cats in a standoff, bristling with surprise. Yet it was Elizabeth's appearance that redirected Mistress Laker's attention from the uncomfortable situation in which neither she nor Sir Leo had offered a single word of greeting. Having arrived on the scene too late to make himself useful, Sir Leo bowed as she emerged like a beautiful butterfly from the low-slung coach, the floating blue and silver tissue that trailed from one silk-clad shoulder adding to the illusion. Her neat ankles disappeared beneath the hem of the deep blue silk skirt.